Today we're going to wrap up our series, Plug In. We've been in Plug In for the last nine weeks, and we want to talk about today how to get plugged in into a second chance with God. How to get plugged in into a second chance with God. I don't know about you, um, but this morning when we woke up, um, we probably, if you're like me, you probably went to the most unreliable clock in the house, which is the oven, just to make sure that the smartphone did what it was supposed to do, you know, that the time actually changed, you know. And uh, how many of you just said, yeah, I wasn't sure if it was going to work, but it, it worked, right? It, it worked, and, and it did what it was supposed to do, you know. Uh, how many of you actually woke up at 1.59 a.m.? Just to see the clock go from 1.59 to 3 o'clock a.m. How many, how many, you did that, Alan? Okay, you know, um, yeah, that, that's just awesome, isn't it? Uh, anyway, um, well, thinking about waking up, you know, growing up, um, you know, if, if you don't know me, I, I, I have hearing aids. And I, growing up, I had behind-the-ears hearing aids. And so when you go to bed, you can't sleep with those in. Otherwise, you know, you're tossing and turning, they, they come out and... And, and, and then you might step on it when you get out of bed and break it. So I always had to take the hearing aids out and, uh, at night, and, and, and hopefully yeah, the, my mom or my dad will wake me up. They were my alarm clock. You know, because the alarm would go off, I can't hear it, right? So the alarm clock is my parents. But then when I went to college, you know, and I moved a thousand miles away, you know, mom and, mom and dad not going to be around to wake me up. And so, you know, we had to figure out a solution because it would have been a little awkward for my roommates, and I didn't want to put that on anybody, any of my roommates' responsibilities to wake me up in the morning. And, uh, and, and so I, uh, you know, we found an alarm clock that is attached, uh, there was an attachment where it goes under your pillow, under your pillow when you sleep, and it's real thin, about, about this big around, about the size of a donut, okay? And, and, uh, and you put it underneath your pillow, and then when the alarm goes off, it shakes. And I'm telling you, when it shakes, it shakes violently. I mean, there's been times where that thing scared me so bad, you know, that you know, my alarm clock took a beating, you know, and I didn't know what to do. And, and unfortunately, in the dorm room, we had bump beds, so whoever was in the bottom bunk, you know, <laughs> they felt it too. They got woke up by, a, by an earthquake alarm clock. And, and, and of course, there were, there were two bunk beds, and so we had, I had, you know, there were three roommates, you know, there were four of us in a room. And if that little donut-shaped device, you know, sometimes would slip toward the back of the bed, and it would wedge itself between the mattress and that metal headboard. And then when it went off, it sounded like that someone ran into the room with a machine gun, taking us off. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, without fail, when that happened, we all jumped out of the bed, hitting the floor, hitting the deck, because it scared all of us. It was, in, it was incredibly insane. And uh, someone asked me, why didn't you bring that to church today, kind of like a show and tell? And I would have. Except I broke it. At one time, I, just, I, I threw it, and it smashed. And I, I mean, it was, that, it was that scared. You know, it scared me that much. Wake-up call. Well, here's where I'm going with this. I'm, I'm hoping today for a lot of us that God will give you a wake-up call. Honestly, I pray every week that God will give you wake-up calls and, and wake up the soul of your heart. To wake up your spirit. 
Now open your eyes to where you are and to see the all that God has for your life. And we're talking about being unplugged today. Because here's the reality that there are many of us here today. You're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a believer, but spiritually speaking, you're unplugged. And for some of you, you're unplugged and, and, and you don't even realize it. You, you've drifted so much. You have no idea. You don't even realize you've drifted. Uh, there are some of you, you, you're unplugged. You come to church with the appearance of being plugged in. You know, you got your Jesus smile and you can sing your worship song. You know, and you can look like, hey, you're serving, but deep in your heart, you're unplugged. You know you're unplugged. You show up on Sunday acting one way, and you live a different way on Monday. Some of us here, you're unplugged. You know you're unplugged. You're not trying to fool no one. In fact, you're at the place where, man, I don't feel like I'm good enough to get plugged back in. I failed too many times. I'm unworthy. I'm not good enough. And so, I, yeah, I'm a follower of Christ, but I don't, know, I don't know if God really wants me to follow him too closely. So I'm just going to stay back. I'm going to stay unplugged. I'm going to stay unplugged. And I hope that today, God will wake up your soul. That God will say, listen, I'm not done with you. I have a plan. I have a purpose for your life. But you're going to have to get plugged in. Into the grace of God, into the forgiveness of God, into a second chance with God. You, for some of us here this morning, you might need a wake-up call. I pray that this morning, that if you're here today, you're unplugged. Whether you know it or not, that God will open your eyes to see the condition you're in and see the hope and the freedom that you have in Jesus. Y'all with me? That's good. We're going to look at Luke chapter 22. In just a minute, we're going to talk about a man named Peter. Honestly, here's the guy who blew it. Here's the guy that blow, who messed up big time, and, and, and he deserved, Peter deserved to be counted out. He deserved it. But the grace, but because of the grace of Jesus, we're going to see that God, he gave him another chance. And I know for some of you, this will be a message, a moment with God, that will bring the hope that you need to keep going and to believe that God will bring you a better tomorrow. I believe that this morning. Let me give you the context before we look at Luke chapter 22. And Jesus, he's already told the disciples in the upper room, I, in the upper room, they had the Lord, the, the last supper, I, and, and, and they're up there. And then Jesus, during the supper, he, he tells the disciples, he said, tonight, you will all fall away on account of me. And, and Peter, who honestly loved Jesus, right? He said, 
no, no, that's not going to happen, Jesus. I've got your back. I am with you all the way. I will die for you. And Jesus, he looked at Peter, and he said, Peter, before the morning happens, before the night is over, the rooster could have crow, and you would have denied me three times. And Peter's like, no, that's not going to happen. Uh-uh. I'm with you all the way, Jesus. I am your number one man. I'm your right-hand man. And if you know how the story goes, Peter, he denied Jesus. Not once, not twice, but three times he denied Jesus. And we're going to see in the story, and we're going to learn from the story, how we can overcome our own failures and get plugged in into a second chance. And we're going to see two mistakes. Peter made two big mistakes. Now, he made many more. I mean, Peter, okay? Uh, Peter made lots of mistakes, but we're going to look at two this morning. And honestly, these are two that I believe resonate with all of us here as well. Let's look at the story, Luke chapter 22, verse number 54. The Bible says, Then seizing him, him being Jesus, they led him away, and they took him into the house of the high priest. Now, what you need to know at this point is that Jesus is, is going into the house. And before he goes in the house, he's fine. He's not been beat up yet, but he's going to go in this house. That's when the beating actually begins. He's actually going to leave this house looking differently than the way he came in. All right? And the Bible says that Peter, he followed at a distance. I want you to remember that. He followed Jesus at a distance. The Bible says in verse 55, 55, it says, When some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, they sat down together. Peter, he sat down with them. And so Peter is following at a distance. He's now sitting down in the enemy camp with some of the other people. And you'll see two mistakes that Peter made. Number one, if you're taking notes, he underestimated his own weaknesses. Peter underestimated his own weaknesses. This is so important. You see, we have to understand in this room tonight or this morning, we need to understand that every single one of us, that we are absolutely capable of doing anything wrong at any moment. Every one of us here, we're capable of sinning, we're capable of messing up, falling short, letting down God. Every one of us here, we are capable of horrific sin at any time, at any place, at any moment. And the moment you think that you're not, is the moment that you're most vulnerable. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, he said, if you think for one minute that you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. In other words, those of us who say, hey, I'll never have an affair, I will never cheat, I will never steal, Paul said, you gotta be careful. We have to be aware Never to underestimate our own weaknesses. By the way, I don't know of anyone 
that ever wakes up planning to fail. Anyone that ever wakes up and says, man, today, today, I'm going to blow it. Today, today, I'm going to mess it all up. Today, today, I'm going to, I'm going to mess it up in a big, big way. No one ever planned that. I, I've done many weddings. I've never had a bride, I've never had a groom come to me right before the wedding and say, God, man, I'm going to have a great marriage until you're number five. And you're number five, I'm, just gonna, I'm going to blow it all up. You see, no one, no one ever plans, no one ever plans to fail. You see, we're all, but we all have to realize that we're capable, every one of us, we're capable of falling short in any way at any time, and we have to recognize that. In fact, if you're taking notes, uh, you might want to write this down. Acknowledging weakness is the first step toward true strength. And this is when you're uh, being honest about, about your weaknesses. Being honest is the first step toward true strength. I love it when I'm part of a men's group. And I, I, I'm involved in a small group on Sunday night and a men's group, not at, not at the moment because I'm leading a group on Sunday night, but typically when I'm not leading a group on Sunday night, I go to the men's group. And, uh, and I love it when we can get together and have real conversations. Be real and honest. And hear honesty from each other. And they talk about the weaknesses in our lives. And you know what happens in that room? I'll tell you what happens. Number one, what what is said in there stays in there. All right, we don't, hey, it doesn't become public news and public, hey, we got to tell, I can't, how do you know about so-and-so? Oh, man, you got to hear this. None of that happens. There's no judgment happening. In fact, we, could, we begin to pray for each other, to care for each other, and to hold each other more accountable in a way that honors and glorifies God. It's when you recognize your weakness and you acknowledge it and you're honest about it. It's the first step toward true strength. And Peter, we see in the story, did not recognize his own weakness. Now here he is earlier. He said, I'll never leave you, Jesus. I'm with you all the way, man. I got your back. And yet he denied Jesus three times. So number one, Peter, first mistake, He didn't understand and embrace his own weaknesses. But number two, here's the second mistake. Number two, he followed Jesus at a distance. He followed Jesus at a distance. Here's the reality. is that we can choose, every one of us, we can choose how close we are to Jesus. I said it earlier in the series, if you're... You know, see this in your note. You are close to Jesus as you want to be. You really are. This is an intentional decision. How close you want to be. It's on you. By the way, Jesus, he, he's always there. Jesus never moves. And so when you move away, guess you move? Not Jesus. You did. You are close to Jesus as you choose to be. And some people I know want to be very, very close to Jesus. You want to seek him first every single day. You, you, you want to be in his word. You want his Holy Spirit to, to, to guide your steps. You, you want to be sensitive to what God is leading you to do all day long. 
You want to be servant in the church. You want to be close to the action. You want to know his will for your life. You want to follow Jesus closely. Why? Because you value him. You value him above all else. And tragically today, many people, it's more comfortable to follow Jesus from a distance. In other words, there are many of us that would say, you know, Scott, I want all the good stuff that, that Jesus had to offer. You know, keep me out of the hot place when I die. Take me to the place where the angels are. You know, listen, God, I want all the comfort. I want all the blessings. But I, I don't want the call of following Jesus too closely. I don't want to pay that kind of price. I'd rather get the blessings, but I want to do it from a distance. Listen, my friend, when you live from a distance, you will miss out so much for what God has for you. You're going to miss out. Now, I remember going when I was, in, uh, when I was younger, I, I loved to go to an amusement park. And there's only one amusement park. That's worth going. Can, can I all hear that? Y'all know this to be true. If you've been to Cedar Point, there's no other, there are no other amusement parks. They're all knockoffs, the way I look at it. <laughs> all the other amusement parks are knockoffs. When it comes to Cedar Point, that is the place. You know, that was the place to go. And, and, I, and now I don't go as much anymore. Last time I went, you know, um, I, I think I had to go see my chiropractor every day for a, a month. I mean, it, it was... You know, not a good idea. So I haven't been, you know. But man, when I was younger, you know, we used to go all the time. And, and see the point, it's like, the, you know, if you haven't been, the roller coaster capital, you know, in the world. I mean, it's the best. And, I, and, and so we're going. And, and I remember one friend of mine, you know, he says, Scott, you know, why don't you ride up to the front with me? I'm like, man, I don't know about the front. I'm more comfortable in the back. You know, I said, no, 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 the front is where it's at. Uh, I don't know about the front. I said, how about the middle? I said, no, 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 you're wasting your time. Got to sit in the front on the roller coaster ride. And I said, all right, I'll go. And we get up there, and, and you get in line for the front. And I can remember it the very first time. You know, I was a little nervous. I was a little scared. But, man, after that ride was over, I was convinced I could never do, sit anywhere else on a roller coaster ride except for the front. Because that's where the action is. That's where the good stuff is. I want to be as close to the front as possible. I want to ride in the front. And I don't know about you, spiritually speaking, but I want to be up front with Jesus. I want to be close to Jesus. I want to be where the action is. I want to be close enough to hear his voice and to sense his presence in my life. And I want his presence leading me in every area of my life. This is what it truly means to be plugged in. To be plugged in. To be close to Jesus. To be on the front with Jesus. In fact, I'm going to argue that had Peter been physically close to Jesus, he would have never denied Jesus. I mean, think about it. A, a, a few hours earlier, he was in the garden, remember? 
And Jesus was there praying, and all of a sudden the Roman soldiers come in to arrest Jesus. And what did, what did Peter do? He was right there, right? He was close to Jesus. What did he do? He pulled out his sword. And, and, and he swung, and he took off a guy's ear. You know why he cut off a guy's ear? Well, because he had bad aim. He was going for the head. He missed. Got the guy's ear. And, 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 and Jesus, you know, he's like, Peter, this is not how we're going to do this. Put your sword away. He went and picked up the guy's ear and, and, and you know, plop. I don't know how he did it, but he popped it back on his head. And, you know, in the name of my name, in my name, you're healed. I, whatever. You know, he healed him. And, and, and then they arrest Jesus. You see, Peter would have been willing to die for Jesus when he was there, when he was close to him at that moment. But then when we see in the story, he followed him from a distance, and all of a sudden he became vulnerable. Oh, man, that, that's, a, that's a lesson right there. You can be close to Jesus one minute. But if you're not careful, you can be following him from a distance the next. And for some of you, that's where you are right now. You're following Jesus from a distance. And when you're following Jesus from a distance, you're never going to experience all the goodness, all the blessing that, that God has to offer. And you become vulnerable. Being close to Jesus is where the spiritual action is. And so, mistake number one. Peter didn't realize how weak he was. Mistake number two, he followed Jesus from a distance, and here's how it cost him. Look at verse 56. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight around the campfire. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with Jesus. Now, what did, what did he do? Peter denied it. He said, woman, I don't know him. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. I said, man, I'm not. About an hour later, the Bible says, someone else said, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And what, what's interesting to me is that Matthew reported on this as well in his gospel account, gospel account, and we see this, after Peter denied Jesus the third time, this is what Matthew said in, verse, in chapter 26, verse 74, that Peter began, began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. In other words, Peter was saying, I swear to God, if I'm lying, I'm dying. In other words, send me to hell, if I'm lying, that's how severe he denied Jesus in this moment. And what's crazy is, is that the only person that Peter fooled was himself. He wasn't fooling no one else. Everybody else knew, right? Everybody else knew Peter was fooling himself. And if I can just say respectfully this morning, there are some of you, you're in this very same place right now. The only person you're fooling is yourself. 
Everybody else, they'll, they'll tell you, hey, you've got a problem. You've got a problem. You say, no, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm good. I've got this. I've got this. I, I, you don't acknowledge your weakness. And they recognize you're walking, you're following after Jesus from a distance. And say, no, 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 no. I've got this under control. I've got this. But you're just fooling yourself. And the only person that Peter fooled was himself. And he ended up denying Jesus three times. And notice what happened in that. Look at verse 50. And as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And this to me is the most heartbreaking of this whole story. The most heartbreaking moment, if you can just imagine this, if you can just picture this, as he was speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Now think about this for a minute. At this point, it's very likely that Jesus' face, that the face of our Savior was black and blue, puffed up, bloodied. And in this moment, the Savior that Peter loved, who had been faithful, always had been faithful, he looked at unfaithful Peter straight in the eye, and you can only imagine the pain in that moment. The Bible says in verse 62 that Peter when he saw the face of Jesus, when he saw Jesus looking at him, he remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you would disown me three times. And the Bible says that he went outside and wept bitterly. I'm curious this morning, how many of you have ever wept bitterly over your sins? In fact, when's the last time you would say, I've wept bitterly. I have felt the heaviness of my sin before God Almighty. When's the last time you wept over your sin? When's the last time that the weight of your sinfulness just became so real that you broke down before God? I got this in your notes. It said this. And this is what I've learned. Whenever I'm not sensitive to the horror of my sin, that's when I'm following Jesus from a distance. On the flip side, whenever I'm following him closely, I will repent quickly and deeply because I feel the weight of it. Bible said that Peter went outside and he wept bitterly because he knew that he completely disappointed and broken the heart of his Savior. Peter blew it, and he knows it. But the story doesn't end there. Because of the grace of God, Jesus did not count him out. Jesus gave him a second chance. Peter goes away. He counts himself out. He unplugged. He said, I, I, I messed up. I'm, I'm done. I'm out. Meanwhile, Jesus, he goes, he dies on the cross. 
They took his body down. Peter, by the way, was nowhere to be found. When they took his body down, they had the funeral service. They put him in the tomb. Three days later, some ladies come into the tomb. And when they get to the tomb, they see that the stone had been rolled away and that there was an angel there. And the angel made the amazing, the most incredible announcement that Jesus, he is not here, for he is risen, just as he said he would. And then the angel tells the ladies to do something. We see this in verse number 7 in Mark chapter 16. They tell the ladies to go, tell his disciples, and then take your pen, if you will, underline this, and Peter. Hey, go tell the disciples. And by the way, when you're going out there, make sure you find Peter. Because right now, Peter thinks he's done. He's out. And when he hears about Jesus' resurrection, he can even distance himself even further because you think he's blown it so much. But hey, listen, make sure you track him down. He's probably out fishing somewhere. Go find him and tell him that we're looking for him. He's not out. Jesus is not done with them. And we began to see this restoration of Jesus. In John chapter 21, we see the very intimate conversation after the resurrection with Jesus and Peter. Uh, three times, three times, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. And Peter said, of course I love you. Go feed my sheep. Go feed my sheep. And he forgives Peter. He restores Peter. And Peter is chosen by God. This is so cool. He is chosen by God to be the keynote speaker on the day of Pentecost. I think that's so amazing. Here's the guy who failed, denied Jesus. He's the one who preached on repentance and saw thousands of people come to know Jesus. And here's why this is so awesome that there was nobody better qualified to preach on repentance and forgiveness than the one who had repented and had been forgiven. There was no one better. You know, I heard a preacher say this one time, never put a period where God put a comma. And as we close here, I want to think about this thought here. Never put a period where God put a comma. And for some of you might be saying, Scott, I've blown it. Life is over, period. No, 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 no. Don't put a period where God put a comma. You may have blown it, comma, but you serve a God of second chance. You serve a God that loves you. You serve a God who wants to forgive you. You should say, God, but my marriage has failed. I feel like my life is over, period. No, 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 no. Don't put a period where God put a comma. Because God said, listen, I am here to forgive. I am here. My God is still good. I am still able to pick up the broken pieces of your life. Don't quit on me. Don't put a period where I put a comma. He said, God, I'm struggling financially, and I'm scared to death. Period. No, 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 no. Don't put a period where God put the comma, right? He said, yes, I may be, I may be uh, financially messed up, and I'm scared to death, but put a comma there. Put a comment and say, you know what? My faith tells me that my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
I have failed and I feel desperate and alone. Period. No, don't put a period where God put the comma. You never put a period there. You say you failed. Yes, I feel desperate and alone. Comma, but I know my God will never leave me nor forsake me that he is working all things together for, together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Never put a period, my friend. Never put a period where God will give you a second chance and put a comma. It's not the end of your story. You see, here's what Peter learned. Peter learned that success it's not final. In other words, you may be walking on water in one minute and the next minute sinking in the water. Success is not final, but failure is not fatal either. Failure is not fatal. And somebody needs to know that, my friend. You think you're always going to be successful. Listen, we're weak. We're messed up people. We're broken people. We're sinful people. We will mess up, and when we do, got to remember that failure is never fatal. Never internalize a failure. Just because you failed doesn't mean that you're done. A failure is not a person. It's an event. This is what's so amazing about the grace of Jesus, is that Peter failed and he denied Jesus, and yet he was allowed by the grace of God, by the power of God, to proclaim the grace of God. Never put a comma, my friend. Never put a period where God puts a comma. Peter preached for the rest of his life. Peter preached Christ. He preached Christ. And he preached Christ. History tells us that Peter, at the end of his life, he died as a martyr. He was willing to die for the one that he denied three times earlier in his life. He was willing to die for Jesus at this point. The tradition tells us that when they went to crucify Peter, Peter said, I, don't crucify me the way my Savior died. Crucify me differently. And tradition said that they crucified Peter upside down on the cross. But did not feel like he was worthy enough to die like his Savior did. The same guy that deserved to be counted out and was given a second chance because of the grace of God, Jesus gave him a chance to follow him closely. I love, what, I love Peter, what he said in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16, one of the most powerful things that he said. First Peter 4, 16, he said, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. In other words, do not be intimidated. Do not be weak. Do not be, uh, do not be shaken. He said, but praise God. Praise his holy name that you bear that name. Praise God that you can bear the name of Jesus. Peter, the one who was weak, vulnerable, messed up, got a second chance. And God used him to start 
to help start the early church. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to today, but if you're down, you're discouraged, maybe you've been hard on yourself, maybe you haven't been able to forgive yourself, you're unplugged. I, I pray that the wake-up call is waking up the soul of your heart. And that wake-up call is saying, I'm not done with you. I'm not finished. I have chances that for chances that for chances for you to get plugged back in and plugged back in and plugged back in. And guess what? You're going to get plugged back in. It's a good chance this week. You're going to find yourself messing up again. We still serve a God of second chance over and over and over and over again. And for some of you, you've got to accept the forgiveness of God. You've got to be willing to forgive yourself. Let's say, God, I'm yours. I'm tired. I'm tired, God, of living. Unplug. What happened to Peter? His guilt was replaced by God's grace. God turned his failure into faithfulness. God can turn your guilt into grace. He can turn your failure into faithfulness. We serve a God of a second chance. I pray you can plug into it. Get we plug in to the power of God. God, we thank you for your word this morning. God, there are some of us here today we're unplugged. We're Christian. We're follower of Christ. But we're living unplugged. We're living from a distance. We, we've got pride in our life. We think that we're above it all. God, I pray that we see how weak, how weak we are, see how vulnerable we are, see that we are sinners, that we are capable of horrific sin at any time, at any place, at any moment. And God, we need you. We need to get plugged in. But for some of us here today, the reason why we're not plugged in it's because we believe that you don't want us no more. But God, is so far from the truth. You offer your, your hand of grace, your hand of forgiveness, and you will continue to forgive every time we come to you. And so God, maybe there's someone here today, a soul needs to be awake. To quit living in the back from a distance to be up front and draw closer to you where the good stuff is and the follow up for you. God, maybe there's someone here this morning uh, they've never asked Jesus, they've never asked your son to come into their life. They've never experienced your salvation. Perhaps, God, in this service this morning, there's someone here that needs Jesus. We sing about Jesus. We talk about Jesus. Or maybe there's someone that says, you know what? I know about him. 
but I need to know him. I need to know Jesus. I mean, no one's looking with every eye closed and head bowed. If that's you today, you say, I don't know Jesus. The Bible says that we can know him today, right where you are. You can ask Jesus to come in your life, to be your Lord, and to be your Savior. I would say that all we have to do is cry out to the name of Jesus. And you can do that in the silence of your heart. You can ask him to come in your life, be your Lord, forgive you of your sins, come into your life. The Bible said that when he comes in into your life, he comes in to stay forever. If you've done this before, you don't have to keep doing this over and over and over again. But if you've never done this before, this is your moment. And you can pray a simple prayer like this with no one looking. You can say a prayer like this, and I can help you with this. The prayer goes like this. Dear God, I am a sinner. I've blown it. I've messed up. And today, I recognize that I need you. Come into my life and be my Savior. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior of this life and for all eternity. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Thank you for your salvation. If you pray that prayer, and I won't look at it. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'd just like to know who you are. You said, Scott, I pray that prayer about Jesus to come to my life. Just now, I just pray that prayer, and I mean it with all my heart. Is that you? Will you raise your hand? Is there anybody in this room who said, I prayed, I asked Jesus to come out? I see one hand over here. Anybody else? No one's looking. Anyone else who said, I asked Jesus, he's my Savior today. Anyone else? God, we thank you that you're still in the miracle business of changing lives. God, we thank you for all of us here. And I pray that our soul will be awakened to the condition that we're in. And if we're unplugged, I pray today we get plugged in. In Jesus' name, amen.